Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted to have you joining us once again today as we continue our journey through this quarter's lesson, looking at being in the crucible with Christ. We are on lesson number nine. And with us again today is the author of the Sabbath School lesson, that is Gavin Anthony. Gavin, welcome back once again. Great, thank you. It's lovely to be here. So we've got an exciting one again this week. We've, we've really built over the course of the last eight weeks, and now we're at week number nine, a life of praise. Now this kind of builds off of what we were looking at last week, which was talking about faith. How do these two go together? Yes, well, it, it's interesting how we, we looked uh, a couple of episodes ago about the importance of faith and how critical faith is in, as a transformative element in transformation. Um, and we looked at faith um, and how, how God is really trying to mature that in the crucible. Now, we looked at faith as by itself last time. Now we're looking at praise. When I look at praise, praise is really the verbal articulation of faith. So because I trust God and because I know who he is, because I know he is present, as we've been talking about, which is the basis of hope, um, that comes out of my mouth and, and it comes out as praise. So praise is the verbal articulation of faith. What might that look like in a, in a real world setting? Well, um, I, I think when we are able to see God and really grasp the greatness and majesty of God. It, it's something that can't help but coming out. Um, I remember many years ago I was traveling in a small plane from the north of Iceland back to Reykjavik, the capital, and I was looking out of the window. Now, uh, moments before I'd been reading a little bit, a book called If uh, by the uh, missionary to India, Amy Carmichael. And she was talking about the magnificence of God's love and how God's love is like this big river. It's ever flowing. It's always new. There's always more. It's just grand. And I was looking out of the little airplane window and I saw in the distance a waterfall. And as I was looking at the waterfall, the thought was impressed in my mind, such is my love. And I thought to myself, okay, this waterfall, um, where's it coming from? Where's its source? Um, you know, we're high up in the mountains. And I looked around everywhere to see where is the source of this waterfall. And, and I couldn't see it. And then it struck me. Uh, it was the waterfall coming off a glacier. And the glacier actually filled the whole of the horizon. It, it one says, it was so big, I couldn't see it. And that I just sat there with this sort of sense of awe, because here we have something so amazing that I can't even grasp it, because I don't have the right perspective. And, you know, that just elicits praise. I, I'm just awed on how, about how great God is. And in that, in that moment, I was just astonished at how big God's love for me was. Sometimes I think we have a hard time appreciating it, or, or as you mentioned, even seeing it. It's right there. It's right in front of us. And yet sometimes we miss it because it's, it should be so obvious if we're not looking for it, if we're not paying attention, if our, if our hearts or minds are not attuned, it, it can go right by us. 
Uh, the Russian writer Dostoevsky had something to say about this this subject that we're talking about this week. Yes, uh, Dostoevsky. I mean, he had been sentenced to death. Um, it was commuted to uh, prison at the last moment. And he's reflecting on his time in prison. So obviously this is pretty, pretty heavy, heavy material. And he says this. He writes, Believe to the end, even if all men go astray and you are left, the only one faithful, bring your offering even then and praise God in your loneliness. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Um, I'm not sure I could even begin to imagine what he had gone through. But, at le- you know, from his perspective, praise was possible even in the most disturbing situation. So praise is possible. Understanding God is, is big. His love for us is big. We face challenges in, in this life. In fact, that's what this quarter is all about. Uh, fortunately for us, the Bible has a great deal to say about both faith and praise. Uh, what about Philippians 4, verse 4? That's one of the passages that you draw out in this, uh, yes. in this lesson. Well, let's look at that. This is a well-known passage, but let's read it again to remind ourselves of this. Um, and remember where Paul is. He's also in a very similar situation to Dostoevsky. And he writes to the Philippian church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice now, I mean, just we pause there. Um, why does he need to say to the Philippians, you need to rejoice? Uh, because we forget, right? We get busy, we get tired, we get overwhelmed by the pressures that are upon us. Uh, and the reasons for, for praise sort of begins to fade and, and, and seep away. And, and he's calling their attention back and saying, no, um, in spite of your situations, remember there, there is a possibility to rejoice. And it sounds almost a little bit harsh. Um, rejoice in the Lord always, which means in the really difficult things, there's a reason for rejoicing. Um, he, he continues, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Again, we're coming back to that theme of of God's presence that we've talked about. God is here. Um, So, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, because God is present, and again, I think back to the the session on hope, uh, hope is possible because God is present. Faith is possible because God is present and with his presence comes his promises. Uh, and therefore we can give thanks because God has never left us. So why should there not be a reason to give thanks if God is right here, uh, no matter where I happen to be? So even if we may not sense that he's there, even if we may not feel that he's there, even if external indicators tell us, for what that's worth, that he's not around, He's still there, and we can still rejoice in that. Yes, and you know, just to emphasize this point, the rejoicing is not because of your circumstances. You know, some of the situations we go through are, are miserable, they're, they're horrendous. We're rejoicing because God is present, and therefore we have everything we need. You know, we're talking about praise. One of the stories in the Bible that uh, you think about, that I think about, and no doubt that you think about too, is the story of Jericho, 
I mean, here, here's an, an opportunity for God's people to, to praise him, and a significant event takes place. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, I, I like this story. Um, now, there's an English uh, phrase that we have. We talk about being painted into a corner. All right, so we're painting, obviously, I guess we're painting the floor, and we've suddenly realized we're in a corner and you can't get out without walking over the paint. You know, you are, you are pinned in to a situation um, and it, it sort of brings the reality of everything to you. And this is kind of, appears what God creates. He creates this situation for Israel that paints them into a corner where they suddenly have to come to a certain realization. Well, if we look at this story, this is in, in Joshua 5 and 6. Um, and it's too long for us to read through the story, but if we just summarize it. So they're going into the promised land, and here is this magnificently uh, fortified uh, city. And they are just, well, I was going to say country bumpkins but you know they've been traveling through the desert they're not ready for war um and here are these battle-hardened people in this huge strong city uh what are we going to do well god says something really weird he says go around the city once a day um and so they they walk around the city once a day and i don't know what you'd be thinking if you were doing that um and then on the last day, God says, walk around it seven times. Well, why does God ask them to do something like that? Why, why should they walk around and around and around this city? And I think this is where this, this getting painted into a corner. Now, I don't know how great they thought they were at the beginning. But I, as they began to walk around and they began to look at the size and the strength of the city and then they began to look at themselves they began to realize that taking this city was going to take something extraordinary they were not going to be able to do it by themselves and so at the end um they're they're called to make this loud shout and for many years i thought okay this is um you know they're going to make such a loud noise that the the vibrations of the sound is going to bring the walls down you know something like that um but it's not really um and when you look at this idea of shouting this is a, a really an expression of of praise um and if i just jump ahead to psalm 66 um where we get another example of this uh, idea of shouting shout for joy to god all the earth sing the glory of his name make his praise glorious so this shouting was not just like some horrible noise this was an expression of praise um, because of the grandeur of god so god says to shout as they're going around jericho at the very end of jericho so they're going around and then they begin to at the very end they shout now why do they shout um, I think it's because over this long period of walking around, their estimation of their own efforts began to get smaller and smaller. And so if the walls were going to come down, it required divine supernatural intervention. And so this 
this shout of praise is is really a shout of faith. It's like, okay, God, you are the only one who can do that. And then God, in response to faith, the walls come down. So they're walking around, and the more they walk around, the less, I guess, confident in themselves they become. And ultimately, the more reliant upon God they become. Maybe he wants us to become less confident in ourselves and more reliant on him. Well, that's really, in one way, the sense, what we have been talking about in, in over all the, of these weeks. Um, we are very confident. We think we're strong and we've got lots of smart ideas and, and we've had some committees and they've come up with some good plans. Uh, and, and so God sometimes sends along these challenges, these crucibles, to bring us to the point where we realize, no, I have to depend on, on a power that is outside of myself. And that's a good place to come to. When we come back, we're going to continue looking at this topic of praise, putting faith into words, as it were. I know we're moving along quickly in this quarter, and if you haven't picked up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School Guide yet, you want to do it soon so that you don't miss out. That book, of course, is called The Refiner's Fire by author Gavin Anthony. He is, of course, our guest each week here as we go through the subject of being in the crucible with Christ. You can pick this book up by going to itiswritten.shop. Again, itiswritten.shop. Pick up the book, The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony, and you will be blessed. We're going to be back in just a moment as we continue looking at the subject of praise. We'll be right back. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are continuing with lesson number nine, looking at the topic of praise. And we're getting now to Tuesday's lesson. Tuesday's lesson is developing a habit of praise. It's all well and good if you can praise God from time to time, and we ought to. But developing a habit of praise is perhaps even more important. What does that look like, and why is it important? Yes, well, I don't know about you, but I find this challenging for myself, um, I am not habitually, um, it's not easy for me as a habit to praise. Um, And it's actually been something I've been thinking a lot about this last week. And when I I spend some time to sit down and, okay, I'm going to spend some time praising God, it's sometimes it's not that that easy, at least for me. Um, Mark Twain has this uh, fascinating uh, quotation. Um, He says about habits, he says, a habit cannot be tossed out of the window. It must be coaxed down the stairs a step at a time. That's an interesting visual picture, but he's so right on. Absolutely. So uh, this is a habit, and so we need to be deliberate and conscious about developing this habit. And uh, this is uh, habits of some, uh, something I've often been interested in. Um, how do we develop habits for different things? And some years ago, I came across a book called The Practice of Praise by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
a famous British preacher. And his whole little book was written around Psalm 45, verse 7. And I, I want to read this to you. It's very quick. Um, and I'm going to read it in the King James Version, which he was using at the time. And it says this. It says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. And he looks at these three key components of a habit. Okay, first of all, we have to practice looking around us. Because he's talking about the memory of your goodness. So if, we, if, if today I'm going to give praise for something God has done, well, that's in the past. But if I haven't observed what God was doing in the past, I'm not able to bring it back into my memory. So the, what, one of the, the beginning points for developing a habit of praise is to be deliberately looking around. Where is God at work? Where do I see him? What has he done here that can give me a reason to give thanks? So observing what God is doing. Step one. Step two is then remembering what God has done. So what did God do for me yesterday? What did he do last week or, or last month? Do I have memories that come back that bring thankfulness and praise to me? And again, if, if I can't remember anything, I don't have anything to bring back. Um, and then the third bit, uh, the third step is to practice what we're talking about. So he's talking uh, at the beginning, he says, they shall abundantly utter the memory of their great faithfulness. Talk about it. Talk about it a lot. And of course, the more we talk about praise, uh, the more easy it is for us. And of course, the benefit to you who is listening is really wonderful because you get to listen and to see the picture of God that I have seen and am giving thanks for today. So it benefits us. It strengthens our faith. As we utter it, it, it becomes even more a part of us. And beyond that, other people are blessed. Yes. And, and hopefully encouraged as well. Uh, and, and I think then the side benefit of that is joy. Right? Because joy is the consequence of seeing the wonders of, of who God is and what he's done for us. You know, Uttering praises to God, as we're talking about here in Tuesday's lesson, uh, reminds me a little bit, uh, in fact, a lot of the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas did not have any trouble, I, I say that as confidently as I can, uttering the praises of God, even in some pretty trying circumstances. Yes, so they've gone through a really rough patch, and they've been thrown into prison. Uh, this is on Wednesday at Acts 16. And there's a bit that I, I want to read, and it was only just recently I was rereading these verses, and, and an aspect I, I, I didn't see before. Um, let me comment on that in a moment. Uh, verse 25, he says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they're in the middle of prison. They're singing and praying, not because of their circumstances, because, but because they knew who God was. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And now I've, I've read this story many, many times. But what really struck me again is there is an earthquake that happens. But it's not just an earthquake that breaks the building. 
It says their chains fell off. So there appears to be this supernatural intervention where liberation happens, uh, uh, but it, it comes apparently in response to praise. So praise isn't just something that sort of makes me happy or a jolly little bit when I'm feeling sad. There seems to be a very a dynamic here that is interacting with the supernatural, with what God is doing. And through praise, um, well, the prisoners' chains are fall off. And then what we see next is the jailer and his family are all saved. So we have liberation, conviction of sin, and salvation all linked into this moment of praise. And I like how you brought out here that Paul and Silas, they were praising God, but it wasn't just Paul and Silas's chains that fell off. It was the other prisoners who were hearing the praise who also got the benefit of the chains falling off and, and being set free, as it were. So, so the praise didn't just affect the ones who were praising. The praise affected a much larger circle of people as well. So that's all, all the more reason for us to, to praise God and to be confident and open in our praise of God. We get to Thursday's lesson now. And Thursday's lesson even opens this idea up further the idea that praise is a weapon that conquers. How is that the case? Yes, well, this, this is an amazing passage. Uh, and again, as you're saying, it, it, it introduces praise. We've seen praise as a, something that brings freedom, um, and there seems to be some interaction with the supernatural realm. Um, it brings uh, salvation and, and uh, yeah, freedom. Um, we go, this is Second Chronicles 20. Um, now, it's, it's the first 30 verses, which we won't go all the way through, but I'd like to look at a chunk of this. So verse 1, it says, The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Muonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So you've got three armies coming together to target um, Jehoshaphat and, and the people. So... Verse 2, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And I think that's just, what a wonderful response from the king. It's like, okay, this, this is coming. Let's go and talk to God about it. So they doing some serious praying. Um, and we, we hear Jehoshaphat's prayer, and the end is in verse 12. He says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? So he sees again being painted into a corner. He can't do anything. God, you need to stop them. We are powerless against this mighty army. And again, we've been talking about how strong we feel in ourselves. He says, we are powerless. We can't do anything about it. Um, we can't do anything powerless about this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. And then in response to that, the Holy Spirit comes down onto one of the men and he stands up under the power of the Holy Spirit and he says, this is what the Lord says, this is verse 15, do not be afraid, 
Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley. So they got instructions about where to position um, themselves or where not to be. Verse 17, but you do not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Don't be discouraged, repeating again, afraid or discouraged. Go out tomorrow. The Lord is with you. So that's what he's told. What's interesting, the king thinks about this and then he says, OK, we're going to go out to war, but I'm going to call in the choir and they're going to go ahead. He wasn't told to do that. This is something Jehoshaphat does in response to what he's saying. Um, and the singers walk out. It says, this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Next verse, verse 22. At that very moment, not before, not after, at the moment when they launched into praise, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. So here we have faith in God in that God can do something, we can't do it, expressed as praise in singing, drives the enemy and they destroy themselves. And I think this is a, a wonderful example to illustrate the power behind praise to drive back what Satan is trying to do in our lives. You know, friends, you may find yourself in a challenging place, a challenging situation. You don't know how to get out of it, just like the armies here just like the people here. God can take care of that. You know, Gavin, we're, we're coming to the end of our program here. There's a quote from the book, The Ministry of Healing, that I think is powerful. And maybe if you could share that with us and then perhaps offer a prayer for us. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as I said at the beginning, I'm not very good at this habit of praise. Uh, but in this quotation, um, we're kind of encouraged to really focus on this. Let me read this. It says, Then let us, let us educate our hearts and lips to speak the praise of God for his matchless love. Let us educate our souls to be hopeful and to abide in the light shining from the cross of Calvary. Never should we forget that we are children of the heavenly King, sons and daughters of the Lord of hosts. It is our privilege to maintain a calm repose in God. So twice, let's educate ourselves to praise. And this leads to peace. So if you are really struggling with this and want to get a grip on that, developing a habit of praise, uh, maybe you've got some challenges around you at the moment and maybe praise can help you navigate through this. Uh, let me pray for you about this. Father, uh, teach us to praise at all times to rejoice in you, not just because of what you have done, but because of what you have promised. So whether we're in the dark or in the light, maybe we learn to rejoice in you because you are present. And therefore, may our peace, your peace, guard our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Evan, thank you once again for being here with us this week, and thank you for being with us too. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue our journey through being in the crucible with Christ. God bless you. We'll see you next time.